You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Clint. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming this sermon and this podcast. We pray it blesses you and grows you closer to the Lord and uh, more deeply involved in his mission. I wanted to give you a heads up that this particular sermon is unique in the sense that we had to cut off the end of it. We felt like after five years of, of planting uh, Christ Church, we needed a healthy and um, thorough and detailed overview of some of our global partnerships. And some of those global partnerships are serving in closed or creative access countries in which security issues are an issue. And so we didn't feel like we could put that on the podcast. So we've cut off the end of the podcast. If you'd like to hear more details about that, email us at pastors at christchurchabq.com. We'd love to meet up with you in person and give you some of those details and help you understand those partnerships all the more. But until then, please enjoy the fuel of our global partnerships and some of the fields of our global partnerships. The reading this evening comes from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine, face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established on the earth and it stands fast, Lord. By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are yours and your servants. Lord, if your law had not been our delight, as your people, then we would have perished in our affliction. Let us never forget your precepts, for by them you have given us life. We are yours. Save us, for we have sought your precepts, Lord, and use us to bring your saving message to all the nations, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Clint. It is good to be back with you after uh, holiday and after Thanksgiving and after a couple of Sundays of being on Zoom connected. Our family was duking it out with COVID a little bit over the last few weeks. We're thankful that the immune systems won the day. Um, We're thankful to God for that. We're thankful, too, for your patience with us in that. We are so grateful to have been able to travel to see our family, my parents and siblings in eastern New Mexico and west uh, Texas, and I pray that your time had just as much food, but maybe a little less drama than ours did. Um, Pray it was refreshing and restful for you 
to be able to hopefully take off some work a bit and be around friends and family and good food with a heart of thankfulness over the last week. Um, again, my name is Clint. If we haven't met yet, I'm just one of three pastoring elders here at Christ Church. And as pastors, we were talking recently, and we all agreed that because we've been together as a church for about five years now, and because um, normally there's canvases on the wall of all of our global partners, um, and, and some of those uh, predate Christ Church itself, and some of them have been added since Christ Church was planted. We thought five years in, and we all agreed, would be a good time to review the who, what, where, and why behind those canvases and behind those global partnerships. And so what we're going to be doing today is doing just that. And that is the outline of my message, the fuel of global missions, the fields of our global partners, and the fruit of global vision. So first... Let's dive right in to the fuel of global missions. These eight realities that I'm going to tick off now are the fuel that that burns in our hearts for God's glory to be recognized among the nations and why we spend so much time, so much attention, so much energy, and so much money on sending people to the nations. So here's number one. Human beings were made by God in his image, to bring him glory. Very simply. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them as, their vi- as God's vice kings, as his sub-kings and queens over creation. As we think about an unbelieving world who doesn't understand this at all, we should consider that every human being was made and crafted, designed by God, and everything about them was meant to bring God glory and to shine out to the rest of humanity around them God's creativity and his power and his rule. As Nathan has done such a good job in past sermons, especially the sermon series from the book of Genesis, to be made in God's image, carried with it at the time when Moses penned it as they left captivity in Egypt and eventually ended up in the wilderness. This idea of being made in the image of, carrying the image of a king with you everywhere you went as a living, breathing statue because Pharaoh had statues on the edge of his kingdom and God wanted to relay this information and relay how he created people in his image to his people in a way they would understand. So even as they're passing the image of Pharaoh, marking the edge of Pharaoh's kingdom, God is telling his people through Moses, you were made in God's image. You are the statue on the edge of his kingdom. Everywhere you go, you take with you a message. God is the ruler here in these parts. And every human being bears that image that way. And every, ima- every, every image bearer is designed not just to be there and, and, and send a si- signal, but to glorify God, to bring honor and glory and praise. And we hear this a lot. We hear bringing glory to God. It's not as if we have a bit of glory in our pockets and God needs it from us and he's just trying to figure out a way to get it from us. No, God has in and of himself all the glory there is to have. And yet, people throughout the world and even in our own hearts, we do not recognize it. We do not recognize him. We do not glorify him. We do not recognize his goodness and mercy and love and power and justice 
as we ought. And therefore, bringing God glory means recognizing who he is and imaging who he is in the culture, in this world. This reality must settle into our minds and in our hearts. Every single human that has ever lived has a soul that will never die. And every one of those souls have the capacity to image and represent an eternal God in this creation and to cherish our eternal God throughout eternity. Everything else that God made in his creation was meant to be an environment for and in service to the crown of his creation, human beings. And so therefore to God, And to his people, nothing in all creation should be more valuable. I'm sorry, your pet is not valuable than the worst human being on this planet. Let that sink in. Even the most ornery and ugly and smelly and evil people among us ought to be incalculably important to us because they are incalculably important to God. We need to agree with God about this. No human should be unimportant to us as Christians. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Number two, every human being is by nature dead in sin and justly condemned before a just God. Romans 1, starting in verse 18, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them plain to us because God has shown it to them. He's shown it to us for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So we are without excuse for although we knew God, we did not honor him as God or give thanks to him as God, but we became futile in our thinking and our foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, we became fools. And we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The first three chapters of the book of Romans unfolds a thorough theological argument for, clear argument for the total and universal depravity of mankind, the lostness of all human beings from birth. But sadly, Though this is true from Scripture, we live in a time where this truth is marginalized, where this truth is ignored because it's not easy to talk about and people don't like to talk about it. And it is at this very point that many Christians or many churches or many ministries or even many, some missionaries actually lose the gospel because they're unwilling. Some people have become unwilling, people who call themselves Christians, unwilling to talk about sin. Without the bad news, friends, there is no good news. We cannot skip over the bad news. We must acknowledge the bad news. We ought to understand and believe it. Though it is counter-cultural, we must believe it because the Bible, God's word, is plain. That the unbelieving mind is set against his maker. It is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. It has traded God's glory and goodness for a sub-glory and a sub-goodness that God made in this world. And we've come to worship it. We've come to worship that which is not God. We've turned his gifts into little gods, insufficient gods. And because our sin is against 
an eternal God, any sin, even the slightest of them, as an eternal crime in God's eyes, deserves an eternal punishment in God's eyes. And number three, nothing is more troubling or heartbreaking than this combination of realities that we were made to image and represent and glorify God and we have utterly failed at it. Ezekiel 18, 23, God says himself, I, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, any, and, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? Matthew 23 tells of Jesus mourning and in sadness, troubled and heartbroken himself over the lostness and the waywardness of his own people. Then Acts 17 tells us that Paul was distraught, troubled in his spirit when he realized the idolatry in Athens and how it had spread. He was upset. He was angry, frustrated, provoked. We must feel like Jesus did. We must feel as Christians like Paul did. We must feel troubled. Why? Because there is nothing as heartbreaking as this reality that human being, a human being made in God's image does not know him and is not in good standing with him and will be punished forever. When's the last time you lost sleep over this problem? When's the last time you lost sleep over a friend or a family member who does not know Christ? When's the last time you lost sleep or skipped a meal over the fact that there are so many people in this world who haven't, who haven't just not proclaimed faith in Christ, but haven't even heard of Christ yet? There are countless problems in our families. Perhaps you saw them up close this week. There are countless problems in our neighborhoods that need thoughtfulness and, and, and good problem solving. There are, there are countless problems in our city and state and country and world. But we must understand that lostness of humanity and separation from God is the most urgent and biggest problem in your family and in your neighborhood and in this city and in this state and really in the whole universe. If a huge asteroid were barreling toward the earth and we had no way to stop it, it would not be the biggest problem in the universe. The lostness that inhabits this world up until that moment when it strikes is a bigger problem than the asteroid itself wiping out all of humanity. The problem that God's glory from and design in creation, which he deserves to be reflected in human beings, is constantly being defaced. And often we go through a whole hour, a whole day, or a whole week, or a whole month, or maybe even a whole year without even thinking about it. Eternal souls will suffer eternally. There are a lot of problems. Human trafficking is a huge problem. Poverty is a huge problem. Sexual abuse is a huge problem. Racism is a huge problem. Abortion is a huge problem. This pandemic is a huge problem. How it's being responded to sometimes is a huge problem. But friends, these are not the biggest problems. The biggest problem. In fact, these are just symptoms of that biggest problem that we live in a broken world, cursed by God in Genesis 3 because of the fall of mankind. And we just don't react right to it. We respond selfishly and sinfully as well. It's a problem that cannot be fixed by the ones experiencing it. 
which is why it is so hopeful and helpful and joyful that number four, God has taken the initiative to address this problem through Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. There is nothing anyone can do about their problem being separated from God in and of themselves. Only God can do something about this problem, and sinners can only receive what God has done for them in Christ by faith. From birth, we are utterly dependent upon God for all things, especially for the initiating and bringing about of our salvation. From beginning to end, we are completely dependent upon Him. So are your neighbors, so are your family members, so are the nations. God must be the one who works in our hearts. Ephesians 2 makes it very plain. Paul unpacks this idea that we are utterly dead in our trespasses and sins and unable to save ourselves just by doing things, which is why it's so sad that so many religions say, do and you will be saved, or do and you will be made right. There's nothing we can do. We are saved by grace alone. John 11, in John 11, John paints the picture of the story of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Jesus, by his and his alone power, speaking into a tomb to a stinky, decomposing body to live again, breathe again, and walk again, and he does. We see in that a picture of our own need of God's work to save us and to save the people around us. Same with Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus made it clear, Nicodemus, I know you're a Pharisee. I know that you think you can do all the things that it takes to be saved. I know you're even thinking now that you've got to somehow get back in your mother's womb. You don't get it. Birth happens to you. You don't do birth. And everyone must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So then what? Number five, Jesus sends every one of his disciples with a message to preach to the world. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey and observe all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The great commission, the sending out of his disciples, the sending out not just of his 12, but of all the disciples that would come from their witness to. As Christians, we are all called to convey a message with our words, with our words. It's become uh, a little too comfortable, these words that maybe you've heard. I've seen them in pastor's offices before that say, share the gospel, and if needed, or if, if, if able, use words. And I'm like, wait, what? How do you share the gospel without using words? That's like saying solve hunger without using food. We must speak a message of good news. Now, do we do good works? Do we serve people? Indeed, yes, of course we do. We should look for every opportunity. And we as a church look for every opportunity to affirm the message that we proclaim. Indeed, but we must preach the gospel at all times. No one is born understanding the gospel. No one is born with the innate ability to intuit or or come up with the problem themselves and come up with the solution themselves that is Christ. God has decided on a particular method of getting people into his family, and that is by his family going and telling those who aren't yet the gospel. We must preach 
the gospel, which is one of the reasons why, as a church, we make sure before you become a member that you can tell us the gospel. I think a lot of people worry, I don't know what to say. Just say what you said when you became a member of this church. Tell people who God is. Tell people what the bad news is. Tell people what the good news is. And call them, as you had to one day, repent and believe in the gospel. This is not an overstatement. Telling lost people the gospel and sending out others to share the gospel among all nations is the best thing you can't do in the new heaven and the new earth. We are going to be able to do wonderful things in the new heaven and new earth. Imagine sin is gone, suffering is gone, but guess what else is gone? Evangelism is gone. Missions is gone. Either we're going to die or Christ is going to return and our opportunities to share the gospel with those who don't know ends. We must be a people who focus on sharing the gospel. I used to tease Joanna that I was going to write on the inside of our door. It was when we lived in a little condo where everything we did was upstairs and you had to go downstairs and then go outside. So you couldn't see it all the time. So I was thinking big magic marker or black paint. Hell is real. So is heaven. Tell someone today. Because we just go through our every day, every day, day by day, instead of proclaiming as the call to worship called us, day by day, we just forget that this is real, that all the things we've already talked about right now are real and that people really are on their way to hell and that they could be on their way to heaven. They could be living as God's people with hope, that living hope we sing about even now. I know it's an oversimplification to to write it on our door and I've never gotten permission to do that, especially now that our door is like part of our entryway. But how can you push yourself to remember these things? And not just right outside our doorway, right? What about the 7,000 or plus unreached people groups filled up with people who unless someone from the outside comes in, 99.9% of them will never hear of Jesus and never have an opportunity to come to Christ. Imagine that. You don't have to imagine it. It is real in this world. Which is why, number six, Jesus' mission takes his disciples everywhere that people are, and especially where where they have no access to the gospel. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Old Testament story is a come and see story. God's people, his place, his presence are in Jerusalem. People come from all over the world hearing about it and coming there. We hear this in the stories of King Solomon, Queen of Sheba, coming. Who is this God? But now that Jesus has filled his people up with the Holy Spirit and once for all died for his people and rose for his people and saved his people, he says, now you're the temple. No more coming and seeing. Now going and telling. And God has sent people all over the world. Can you believe that it made it all the way here? We are halfway approximately around this planet And the gospel made it all the way here to you. Praise the Lord. It made it all the way around to us. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to Albuquerque. It'd be weird to see the word Albuquerque in the Bible. We are, in a sense, the ends of the earth. And yet there are still ends of the earth now. 
Ironically, many of them are a lot closer to Jerusalem than we are. So from Albuquerque, we go. We go to work. We go to our neighborhoods. We go to our kids' sports. We go to our hobbies. We go and dance. We go and play. We go sing. We go watch. We go cry. We go laugh. But most of all, we go and we tell. And we send. As we go and as we send, we ought to feel a particular, specific vacuum toward the unreached peoples of the earth. And by unreached, you may think, well, America's unreached. Well, unreached is a technical missiological term, and what we mean by that is generally, missiologists have identified 2% or less evangelicals normally means that the church will not propagate itself forward. It must have outside influence from Christians, from gospel bearers to come in and to support, reach, support, develop, and then turn things over to the locals as they evangelize and plant more churches among themselves. So that's why we partner with those serving among the unreached. Number seven here, there is nothing better in the world than this mission to go and tell. Luke 15, just so I tell you, there is joy joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Friends, God's heart overflows by the turning of, of, of every sinner to himself. And so it should be with us to tell people to come to Christ. If we're honest, we're an evangelist. You're probably an evangelist every day for something. Oftentimes, our joy, my, my son's joy in his books, or, or my other son's joy in his games, or, or my wife's joy in this meal, or your joy in this team, or your joy in this food, or whatever it is, is not complete until you're able to share it with someone else. We are evangelists every day. We're trying to talk people into seeing things the way we see them, cherishing things the way we cherish them. Local evangelism and global missions is no different. But perhaps we aren't as energetic about those things because we don't yet understand the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out, and his mercy is deeper than the deepest satellite or furthest star. Forget the oceans. It's deeper than that. Perhaps we're not cherishing it in our own hearts day in and day out. John Piper, a retired pastor who served in Minneapolis, is famous for saying, missions is the automatic outflow and overflow of love for Christ. We delight to enlarge our joy in him by extending that joy to others. Don't you find that true? What you cherish, you want other people to cherish, and you don't quite cherish it enough until others cherish it with you. Number eight. God's promise to redeem a people from every language and nation fuels our mission both locally and globally. It'd be one thing if God called us to all these things. If, if, if we were image bearers, broken in it, lost, separated from it, even redeemed, and yet we didn't know what the end looked like, right? It's like when I play Monopoly. I'm going to figure out a way to know what the end's going to be like. and It might include a little cheating on the side, but... I'm the sovereign over Monopoly in our house, and so therefore I'm trying to work things out so that I might win. God does it, and it's not shady. Revelation 5, 9, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
Friends, we already know the end. Revelation 7 says, Behold, before the Lamb, there were people in white, and there were some from every tribe, language, people, nation, bowing down and worshiping the Lamb. We've already seen the end. God has already told us the end before the movie's over. So many Christians have gone out for the sake of the gospel with this promise deep inside their heart. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give my talents. I'm going to give my treasure to God's glory among the nations. And even if it doesn't go well for me, I know in the end it's going to go well for him. And so we cling to that. We cling to it. And this, my friends, these eight points is the fuel of our global missions. Now I want to take some time and get all PowerPoint on you. I want to show you um, in, in, in more words than I can say what our global partnerships look like. So I want to talk about the fields of our global partners. Fr- friends on Zoom, you can hang around for a little bit of this, but not the whole thing because we can't secure Zoom in the way we'd like for some of our um, more security needy folks out there in global partnerships, but hang in there and then we'll shut you guys down later. Buy me a latte and I'll show you the whole presentation in person. All right, so let me talk about some things. You, you don't see it on the canvases now, but I'll show you their pictures in a bit. Um, the Robin Alachi partnership has been around longer than Christ Church has been around. And many of you here at Christ Church have been a part of that partnership. It goes back to 2004 to the present. They are a rural Guatemalan Mayan people group of about 80,000 people. Um, most of them have mixed Catholicism with Mayan syncretism. Uh, evangelicals, uh, roughly 12% among the Achi, and uh, many of those are, are, are Nazarene, many of them are Presbyterian. There are a few Baptists uh, mixed in there as well, but they are a minority, and, and um, the, the, the Mayans particularly have suffered over the centuries. They have suffered uh, colonization from Spain, they have suffered uh, marginalization, they have suffered poverty. Um, They have suffered in many ways, but um, they are a a welcoming people. They are a hospitable people, and yet they've been known to fight. The last civil war was in the 1990s. Most of us were alive for the last civil war that happened in Guatemala, and the Rabanala Chi have been able uniquely to maintain their culture and their way of life. Um, Carol and Rodrigo Barrera were our first contacts. This is back in the Desert Springs Church days that eventually led to the Christ Church days, and we made contact in 2004 with Carol and Rodrigo, who had been translating the New Testament from 1975 to 2015. Rodrigo from Mexico and Carol from California. You can see Carol here with her team of Rabin Alachi native speakers translating the New Testament into their language. This gal right here, her name is Irma. She came to the States and stood behind the pulpit at Desert Springs and said, God does not speak Achi yet. And she was working on the translation to help it come to completion. So we got behind their work. We began to support their work financially. And in 2009, by God's grace, the New Testament was completed. And that is exactly what it looks like. Full-grown men wearing Bibles as a suit, celebrating the New Testament completion. The whole town came out to celebrate. And you can even see a tall gringo in the midst right there. That's yours truly in 2009, and several others from uh, Desert Springs and Christ Church. Let's play a game. 
Notice the Christ Church people in this picture. Just yell them out if you've got one. Yes, Tara Segura right here. You see her there. Uh, an old school Christ Churcher who left us, Tim, you. Tim, Ray, uh, we went down there to be able to celebrate the New Testament finally being completed. Uh, Pastor David Iskopal, his son, Ether, has a canvas on our walls. You'll see more of him in a bit. Um, our joy to be able to celebrate that with them. Oh, I totally pushed the wrong button. Back to it. Faith comes by hearing. We partner with Faith Comes by Hearing to not only distribute the New Testament in writing, but also in audio form through solar-powered and wind-up proclaimers. I know half of the church works at Faith Comes by Hearing, so you know what I'm talking about. We had annual dental and medical trips. No points for anybody until you yell the name out loud. Yes, old school Sophia. Sophia basically lived in Guatemala for like 10 years. Sometimes she had long hair, sometimes she had short hair. Sometimes she had no hair. But what a, it was a cool picture. Sophia is actually a good example of, of folks who grew up in this partnership and built deep friendships and saw babies born and held them and loved them. And these medical trips were an end to these communities. We always partnered with the local church, Rodrigo, Bible translator, teaching kids how to brush their teeth, loving them indeed so that we might love them in word. Pastor David, sharing the gospel with people and preaching to them before they can come in to the clinic, letting them know that this is from Christ and his people. Little girls in traditional achi clothing waiting for their turn to enter the clinic. Uh, we do this on a yearly basis until the pandemic. Dr. Jacobo was always point. It's unique that Dr. Jacobo was a Latino because generally speaking, uh, the folks from the urban areas, the, the Latinos, don't often act or behave in, in positive ways towards uh, the, the, the rural Mayan peoples. And so for him to be able to bring the love of Christ to these people in word and in deed was super special. And we partnered with them. Taylor Kidwell, you can see her there. This is a very unique thing in the clinics. This gal is being seen by the, by the nurse. She is speaking in Achi to him. He is speaking in Spanish to Taylor. Taylor is speaking in Spanish or in English to the nurse. And then it goes back uh, as they treat um, this patient in the clinic. Uh, our buddy, our brother, Mark Bienyars, who went down several years ago. This story, Pastor Cerilo of the Baptist Church in a small, very high mountain village. And this family who had walked hours, Mark, hours, right, to come to this clinic. They had been told that their son here had um, a condition that was not, he was not going to survive. And Mark was able to look closer, and he had brought a machine, an ultrasound machine, and not just checked out his mama's baby, that, she was, that the baby's okay, but also checked out his problem, and it turns out it was very treatable. And by God's grace, this boy's life was saved. The doctors in the city had told him, take your baby home and let him die. And the church, under Pastor Cedillo's leadership, raised money and was able to send this family to the city to get the very inexpensive and easy operation to save his life. Uh, you can't see him very well there, but uh, Dr. Walter DeHorty there checking on the babies. We've been able to send down specialists, his wife as well, Jody, to be able to treat in more specialized ways the folks there. Nico's favorite time of the day during clinics was lunchtime when the ladies would show up with huge, uh, huge baskets of tortillas and guacamole and soup. We prayed hard during the clinics and we played hard after the clinics. This is Pastor Cedillo and his wife presenting me with a handmade tapestry as a way to say thank you for partnering with them to bless their community. 
We've also been doing water projects since 2007. Former Christ Church member Leonard Duran there helping the, the, the locals uh, build water projects so that they could share between two villages. One village was getting all the water because they were lower in elevation. The one up on the hill just only got it for about an hour a day. But by bypassing that village, in agreement with both villages, now both villages get water from a spring all day long. Danielle Johnson getting muddy in this well-digging project lower in the valley. You can see Morgan Wingard here. We also had youth trips since 2009. Um, several Christ churches have been on these trips as well to just get a taste of missions, a taste of this cross-cultural missions project and partnership. Community health evangelism was one way we would get into villages through Dr. Okobo's ministry. This lady's name is Sylvia Sis. She is considered a community health evangelist because she has been educated and made aware of ways in which the community can, um, can, can, can get around the need to go to the doctor for every problem by solving some of the problems in their own community, by simply limiting how much smoke comes out of your oven, by getting uh, a different kind of oven, or by different water projects, and using um, filtration systems to keep your kids from being sick, or, or, or forming an enterprise, micro-enterprise so that you can um, loan each other money and, and hold each other accountable and make weavings that the gringos bring back and sell at the Range Cafe in Bernalillo. And all of this, by God's grace, has led to us being able to invest in the leaders and the churches through pastoral trainings since 2010. Rodrigo was a pastor of pastors, and he had the idea that we might, now that the New Testament was finished, teach them all the more to use and lean into that New Testament as, as men, as leaders, as families, and as churches. We've done one per year since 2010 to 2013, and then uh, your man right there, Nathan Sherman, and I went, uh, and, and we've been doing two a year since 2014 to 2019. This was a marriage retreat. You can notice there, if you look really close, there's pastors and their wives. We did a retreat for them in one of the earlier um, conferences for them. We've partnered with Iglesia Reforma, a church in Guatemala City that's very like-minded to Christ Church. We find ourselves in, in deep fellowship and partnership, philosophically, theologically with them, and they do a way better job of training the Achi people in the gospel than we do. And so our conferences, year to year, 2015, 16, 17, just keep growing. There's Nathan again. There I am here uh, going down to invest in these uh, folks year after year coming back. And that's one thing they keep saying. We've seen people come from America to build, to do, but you keep coming back. And that fills our heart with joy. And these guys are a big reason why we keep coming back because they are our link to the people. They were our link to the people. Sadly, Rodrigo, after retiring from Wycliffe in 2015, after distributing the New Testament for six years, died unexpectedly of heart failure and heart attack on, by God's grace and providence, on a visit back to Guatemala. So he has been buried among the people that he gave his life so that they might have the word of God. And then Jacobo, even, even more unexpectedly, um, in October of 2018, when um, kidney cancer metastasized and um, our brother died as well. And you can only imagine they're sitting uh, with Christ now, those same grins on their face. <laughs> Dr. Okobo's wife, Jeanette, and one of his disciples, Danny, who is himself an Achi uh, young man who, uh, who Dr. Okobo invested in, have, have taken over the community health evangelism efforts. This is one of the canvases on our wall. These are our partners that we continue to work with when we go down there, when we pray, when we send, when we support. Now that Rodrigo and, and, 
and Dr. Okobo, two of the fathers, in a sense, of the ministry and partnership, have gone on to be with the Lord. We are looking to the next generation, Ether and Hector, um, to, to carry forward the vision of partnership. And Ether, he leads all of our pastor's conferences by coordinating them. He coordinates all our short-term trips. He's, he, he's a relief coordinator. You guys saw during the pandemic how many times we gave money and resources to Guatemala. He's the guy organizing all of that. He's a natural disciple maker. And even now, we're praying with him about the potential of planting churches. Ether has been to Albuquerque. He spent several months one summer here. There, he's hanging with Ava Sowers. There he's hanging with the Dehortys, at least most of the Dehortys. Um, he has a special place in many of our hearts, and we pray that many of you will get to know him over the years as well. Hector has been busy with other things. He has gotten married to Caitlin, who is serving among his people. They've had two kiddos now. Um, Hector has a vision for mobilizing the Achi people to be on mission themselves locally and globally. They have an addiction ministry. She uses ethno arts and education to do her evangelism. Um, Again, just a natural disciple maker, and they are open to being a part of a church planting core team as well in the future. During the pandemic, since we couldn't go down there, and a lot of things were happening over Zoom, we went through all of these books from Nine Marks Ministries and helped, uh, and, and helped them see how a healthy church plant might look in the future according to God's grace. And so you can be praying for these things right now in our Achi partnership because it may turn from community health evangelism into church planting, and we would love that. And this is where Mark's going to turn off Zoom for us. Sorry, guys. Again, lattes. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.